0: one of my family was like you need to focus on one thing and I would get so pissed Mm -hmm. I'd be like stop I can do everything but then like I had I had to learn it myself and be like I do need one thing that I know I want to be a professional in and then the rest will just happen naturally or maybe even link up with the one I want to do.
1: welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to be joining me today as we chat with our guest Emma Estrada about her many artistic pursuits, artistic recovery, and arting sober. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And head on over to patreon.com slash to join the fam and help keep this show going every single week and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes content, and early access for my music and writing. Again, that's patreon.com slash X-E-N-J-A. Your support means the absolute world to me. And now it's time for some shameless self-promotion. Have you heard my new electronic EDM single, Running With Wolves? If not, Head over to zenya.bandcamp.com to listen to and purchase this moody, mystical single that tells the story of a lone wolf breaking free of all the external noise to let her inner light radiate outwards. And stay tuned for the kick-ass music video happening soon. Emma is a mostly vegan, 24-year-old, multi-hyphenate artist in comedy, writing, acting, and filmmaking. She is also a visual artist through painting and drawing, and is a singer-songwriter. She studied comedy, writing, and acting at several schools, including Second City, UCB, and Chicago's Neo-Futurist Theater. While in college, she created a popular YouTube web series called Witty Pits, And is the host of the "I Love You Ha Ha" podcast, where she interviews artists, healers, and comedians. Welcome, Emma! I'm so excited to have you chat with us today about all the creative things you do—literally all the things, so many. I'm so inspired by you. Yes, Emma and I actually we met this past summer. Um, We were in a workshop together called Creativity RX, where we went through. book the artist's way which is kind of like a guide for artistic recovery so that's where we met and i I we were like the youngest in the group too so for sure
0: yeah um i think most of the women in that group have been through menopause but in the best way possible like they're amazing ladies and i feel like it's so important for young people to just be surrounded by women like that because they're incredible right they're amazing
1: yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, that group will forever be in my heart. Like I love everybody who is in that group. And I me still do. talk to a lot of them too. And I'm like, can you adopt me? Like be your child. <laughs> yeah. They don't know
0: yet, but uh, we're their daughters and we haven't told them anything, but they're in our wills. We're in their <laughs> wills. You talk to their lawyers about it. We did. Um, yeah, was- we did. It was great. Yeah. It was nice. We represented for the young woman. I think we did a good job.
1: Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, we had one guy in our group. Yeah. And so he vetted yeah. for all the guys. Yeah. Seriously.
0: Talk about some real cojones. He really represented like that's, I would, when I'm with all men, I'm scared. So I can't imagine with all women, that's terrifying, <laughs> but I do want to say thank you for having me on. Cause this, I think it's awesome that you're doing this. Um, so yeah, thanks for having
1: me. Absolutely all right so emma can you tell us about just your artistic beginnings like when did you start and you know how did you get into each of the areas that you're pursuing yeah i mean right when i
0: was out of the room i was like this hospital room is disgusting someone needs to change it we need to hire an interior decorator because these beige walls do not make me want to live here um no seriously i think i've always been a sort of a creative person um we we're all born creative, I believe, and I think just later on in life, um, I would say maybe, like, I guess in, I don't know, I guess in college and, and, and in high school, I kind of, like, stopped being so creative and focused more on academics, um, and then I was, like, I can't do this. I'm, I'm so focused on creating. Like, I'm a very, it's, like, in my soul, like, who I am, so... But I, I think I started creating when I was very young. My mom put me in dance classes when I was three years old. So I've, I danced up until high school when I graduated high school. And I was dancing almost every day um, with a team. And that was very competitive. The dance world, super competitive, very like, heavily focused on the superficial. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of amazing things about dance. And dance as an art is just super healing. Yeah. And great exercise too. Um, but sometimes the culture around it can be kind of toxic, but I had some really good friends in dance. So that kind of was the highlight for me. And so carrying on with dance, I went to high school and I noticed, um, I went to this show, like this, uh, improv comedy show at my school. And I was like, instantly like, I have to do this. So I got on the team and I started doing improv in high school and then, um, went to college, studied English. And so that's very like writing, reading. Um, so I got into that more like literary side, Mm -hmm. um, huge book reader. And yeah, I just, I've always loved creating stuff. I don't know. It's, it's dancing and then comedy and then writing. And then, um, I got into sort of theater in college and, Theater's kind of like a backbone of comedy too. So mm-hmm. um and then in college I was pretty depressed. So I got into uh playing piano and um, painting and drawing some more visual arts, which had always been super scary to me because it's very out of my comfort zone. And I started doing that and mostly just a way to heal, honestly. I, I didn't even I didn't even think about being good. I was terrible. <laughs> I just Needed to express myself. I've always had a need to express myself, even if people don't care to listen. I I just I love it. Um, yeah, so I've always I've always been a creative person, and my mom and dad have always encouraged us to be super creative. Um, I think to go into it as a career was definitely something difficult for them to hear about, like me wanting to do that, um, and still kind of is sometimes, but it's just who I am. So I can't really, <laughs> I can't do anything else. I yeah. just, that's my modus operandi.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah. Um, has art, cause you mentioned that it's, it's just often a way of, of being able to express as it, have you found like at different points of your life that it's been a different expression?
0: Yes. Well, what do you mean? Because do you mean like the the actual medium, or do you mean like a different expression of of my life at that point? Both. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a great question. I I've so my first like quarter of my life was just dance. I didn't have time to do anything else. Um, didn't have my mom didn't have the money to put me in anything else. I because dance takes up is a huge investment financially and and with your time too but uh, I was just so focused on dance I didn't think of any other art forms I never took I mean when I did take art class I would I have bad memories like I one time I got in trouble for drawing um, one time I got i mean we're, we get we get penalized for creating class sometimes even though it's like our natural our natural drive is to create. Sometimes people are like, what are you doing? Stop drawing, like focus on me. Mm-hmm. And really drawing helps us focus, you know, yeah. so doodling. Um, but yeah, so I, I started off dancing, which was great. I still love dancing. It's a huge passion of mine. But then when I decided I wasn't going to be a professional dancer, because uh, I didn't want my career to end when I was like 30. And I also, I don't know, I think there was a lot of fear there. I wasn't ready to pursue an artistic career mm-hmm. um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I kind of got into English. My friend recommended me to do that, but um oh, I also have always written poetry-hmm um I'm sorry, I'm like ranting right now. Oh, um, okay um, yeah, I've always written poetry and like ever since I, I don't know, I was as young as six, maybe that was like what I gave to people. I just gave them poems for, for gifts. And I've always written essays and things like that. And, you know, um, I've had many blogs. So yeah, writing has always been a part of my life and dancing. And then when I got older, and I was reading too. So reading really makes you start thinking about language and story. So I was always, be, I've always been a storyteller, whether, whether that's through movement or writing. Um, but then I, then I got to college and, you know, it's so weird. I don't know what happens in college, but if you have the privilege to go to college or you go to co- if you want to go to college, it's once you're there, it it's becomes this sort of like boiler for, for you to, to, to become something mm-hmm. or that's the expectation at least. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pop out, ready to go, man. Ready for society. Job at 22. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's not
1: my experience also. So.
0: Yeah, I want to hear about that too. I'm curious, like your experience, but because you're you're very creative as well, and like different types of creativity too. But I think for me, what happened was like I went to college and I did community college, which was great. I was successful in my English degree. I um, did well in my classes and my teachers like my writing and stuff but even that was super specific essays yeah I wanted to do creative writing I wanted I, you know I like that stuff and I did take creative writing I did that too I did that too but I was still very blocked I still felt like I wasn't good or you know I just I remember we had a magazine I was an editor-in-chief of a magazine in my community college and everyone submitted something to the magazine mm-hmm. and I was so scared that people would see me as a fraud Hmm. if they were to read because I was in this position of authority quote unquote Mm -hmm. and and if I were to submit a poem maybe they would like think I was bad at it or something like be like oh she's not even good why is she editor um so I just didn't even try I didn't even go for it but I had I had poems I had stuff um so that was something that just came up right now for me I haven't thought about that in a while but I wrote and then um Then I transferred to university up north and yeah, I was super depressed. I found the artist's way and I was also living in a co-op, a community house. Okay. I had a piano. Do you you know a co-op? Sort of. Yeah. We have like work shifts. We all work together um, to keep the house clean. You have discounted um, rent. Oh okay and yeah we lived in like this big old hotel together it's called cloyne it was a sober home actually okay um we were all sober except i I wasn't sober at that point i was still smoking and doing my thing outside (laughs) um but yeah i started playing piano there wasn't good didn't care just kept doing it they had a maker space with paint so i went there by myself started doing that and yeah just while i was depressed that kind of got me through I remember one time I left my final because I wasn't ready for it and I just went home and painted Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, my mental space was not great. So that's what I did. That's what, like the only thing that literally made sense to me. Yeah. Um, and I still dance a little bit too, but not as much. And yeah, and now I'm, now I, I'm doing comedy and when I graduated, I started doing more comedy. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it kind of combined all the elements for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, Okay. Do you want to hear about my, (laughs) I do. What about you? Like what happens? Um, So I didn't want to go to college. Um, When I was a senior in high school and like junior, senior, um, I started training at a circus like gym. Um, and I wanted to pursue that. I wanted to go into the circus. I did not want to go to college at all. Um, was basically forced to, um, by both of my biological parents and then my circus coach, who is a pedophile. Um, Oh wow. Oh yes. Delightful. Um, oh. <laughs> I was living with him. He was basically my oh. father. Um, oh. and I was, I was forced to go to college. So I, I was, was there for two years, Um, but well, so I was living with, with him for four, but I was, so college for two years. Um, and Was he
0: like your daddy or was he like
1: your father? Like, how did that- He was probably every single relationship he could be like that exists at one time. Like, Mm. yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole nother episode. (laughs) Yeah. But so when I, um, decided to leave him- I took a year off of college. I was in and out of rehab in and out of hospitals. Mm. Um, and then I transferred to another state. So that's why I'm in Illinois now. Um, mm. And I did, I, I enrolled, I studied um, psychology because I, I basically transferred most of my credits in already. And I was like, well, I don't even want to be in college still. I didn't <laughs> want to be in college. So I was like, I'll just get my degree in psychology and be done.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, it wasn't until I think probably a year and a half into this second school that I actually started to enjoy college and I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to study political science and I'm going to study international relations and I got super into that. Um, so I minored in poli-sci and then I also, two, two terms before I graduated, I added a second minor of philosophy. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I was a very random um, student, Um, and on top of this, I was assistant directing in the theater department and assistant sound designing and, like, learned, like, all of these um, behind-the-scenes elements. Like, I want to pursue directing. I absolutely love it, Um, but I wasn't, I didn't have the confidence because I was also super blocked. I was like, well, this isn't feasible for me. A career in the arts isn't a thing that I can actually achieve. (laughs) Yeah. So even graduating, oh my God, when I graduated, I like, it was so, so bad. I had no idea what I was gonna do. And that's when I found um, Lindsay Cabot, who is the director of Expressing Motherhood. Um, Mm. Through her, I found Jen and The Artist's Way. And just doing that and like reading that book, I was like, oh, wait, being blocked creative is a thing I'm (laughs) weird (laughs) so um truly that like that has been the spark that has changed changed my life and changed my entire trajectory but yeah so like thank the universe for the artist way and for Jen and for our group because I wouldn't be doing this podcast I wouldn't be where I am without it So yeah, you credit, do you credit that to the morning pages or
0: like just the book or was there so many other factors involved?
1: Yeah. Um, there are a lot of factors involved. I morning pages are amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a journaler like Mm -hmm. in general. And so just, I do that. I roll out of bed and I do morning pages. That's just what I do. It is my brain dump and, and and I can Mm -hmm. just like, then I go meditate and like do the rest of my morning routine. But yeah, I need morning. Mm. But it was also like meeting Jen and connecting with the people in our group and then them like leading to other connections. So I'm like working with a life coach um, who's also my Tai Chi instructor and she's teaching me Reiki and just like all of these other like things that I really, really needed mm. uh, that like I didn't expect. So mm.
0: yeah. Wow. It sounds like a journey of healing that, yeah, healing from all your trauma that you've experienced and then like honing your voice and who you are.
1: Yeah. And I made a flow chart of mm. all of the ways the universe showed up because I was like, I need proof. Like mm. I, I just need to see it. I need to visualize it. And that was just like my defining like, oh, the universe showed up for me in ways that I could not have even imagined. This wow. And it was like, not necessarily in the ways that I would have wanted, but it was what I needed. So mm. yeah. well, that's where I'm at. <laughs> wow. Do you mind sharing like some of the things the universe gave to you? Yeah. Well, so, um, my life coach and, and that person is mm. one of like the most amazing people I've ever met. Um, mm. she's I've only been working with her since, um, like, the middle of October, but, like, it's just been life-changing. How um, ironic to life coach. I know. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I see, like, people, um, like, comics and whatever, like, talking about, I think this was Whitney Cummings, actually, talking about, like, a life coach, and is like, why do you need a coach for life? And I'm like... Yeah why do we not need coaches for life we all need our personal life coach yeah exactly um but then also like so I created um a bunch of songs and I released them as EPs um Mm. kind of like documenting my healing journey um and then I did an Instagram live for Lindsay on that and then through that I got connected to um another person who had just launched a podcast a couple of months ago, who put me in touch with the person who's helping me launch my podcast. And it was just like, really like crazy, magical, like universe kind of like, well, if I didn't do this then this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't happen. Like it was just so, so magical. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Synchronicity. Yes. And it's like when you, what you put out, you get back all That's- of that. yeah it really universe really supports you in any way it could be a negative way or it could be a positive way too
1: absolutely and it's for me it's still like a daily journey you know Mm -hmm. like it's it's having to get up and choose to not self-harm every single day you know so but it's worth it yeah yeah day by day Mm -hmm. I I sometimes forget
0: that um Yeah, I sometimes can get depressed or into some sort of like melancholic mind, and I don't know if you experience that too. With I don't know if you experience depression, but um, it can kind of be like that, and then, but it's just a moment, or maybe it's just a day, and then you kind of move out of it like a cloud, like the weather. Yeah. But it doesn't mean like you haven't improved over the course of your life. I was on a hike today my art estate. And I was thinking about all the things I've done in the past two years. Like I've really stepped up my, my self love and really honed in on my goals and really like fine tune the people I surround myself with and um, just so many things. And I, I can't forget that. So it is, it is
1: a journey for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's jump into you as a multi-hyphenate artist. I'm obsessed with that term. Is it an actual, like, legitimate thing, or did you make it up?
0: You know, I think I heard it one time years ago, but let's just say I made it up.
1: Great. (laughs) Credit goes to Emma Estrada. (laughs) I love it. Um, (laughs) How do you decide what things you want to focus on? Are there some projects that are just, you know, art for art's sake um, versus some you pursue professionally? And, and, you know, how do you decide which ones are which? Hmm.
0: I think I decide what I want to do based on my goals And sometimes my goals, I have goals next to me written down. I have about six goals next to me, but they're not all creative. But um, with my creative goals in particular, not all of them are written down. Um, And they do change a lot. Uh, A month ago, I was working on a poetry book. And then this month, I'm working on writing a movie. So it really, it's always changing. It's kind of like whatever I'm feeling at the moment. Um, but I do have like specific goals that I, that I want in my life creatively, um, that are like the long-term goals that I see like running after I've run the mar- I have to run the marathon to get them, but I'm building up to that baby steps every day. So for me, there's like staples of, um, my daily creative nutrition. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's writing. Uh, beyond my morning pages. I, I, need to be working on some sort of writing project. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I do something with it or not, that's another thing, but I just need to be working on something like creating a story. So now I'm working on a movie. Um, also every day I write jokes because I'm a comedian. So I need to like work out my jokes and, um, fine tune them. And so I've been experimenting a lot with different types of comedy too, every day. Um, because I don't perform every day, but I can write every day, Mm -hmm. especially now with COVID. Um, Painting is something I love to do. I don't do that every day, uh, but sometimes I will go into phases when I paint every day, um, and I'm really into it. Drawing, I do draw every day because I have this little sketchbook with me. Mm -hmm. It makes it super easy to just flip open when I'm on the road and just draw an idea. Sometimes I I think of... I do most of my creating when I'm in the course of my day too, like when I'm walking or writing or, or not writing, but uh driving or showering, you know, those those automatic tasks. I have a lot of um creative thinking time. So I will write something down in my notebook or my sketchbook. And then sometimes I'll get back to it later and expand on it, and sometimes I won't. But um I make time to do all of it. I have a guitar in my room, so sometimes when I'm feeling it, I'll pick it up and and improvise some songs. Um I sold my keyboard recently, so I need to get a new one but i when I had a keyboard, I would play that a lot uh too and yeah, I write poems too like uh recently, I was in a phase of writing a poem a day, so I did that for like five months i wrote not just a, I wrote a lot of poems actually, mm-hmm. and that was less pressure too, because poetry is not as much pressure as creating a story for me when I sit down to write my script I am so scared. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, get to it finally. Like I'll procrastinate for like an hour me like today I was procrastinating pretty hard, like an hour and a half, but I can't, I don't let myself do anything like rewarding, even take a walk or exercise until I write. So, um, I'm kind of hard on myself like that, but I need to be, cause I know it's good for me. So, um, I also hate writing. Um, <laughs> have I said that? Yeah, I hate it. Um, I love it in the sense that like, I'm good at it and I know I need to be doing it, but I, I don't like it because it gives me anxiety, but I know when I'm in the flow of it, I feel it. I like, I'm feeling my characters. I don't know if you experience that Xenia, but when you feel it, like I wrote today, I wrote like a breakup scene today and I'm not dating anyone or anything, but Oh my God. Like I, I was, I was breaking up.
1: Yeah. No, do you experience I, that. I do. I do. I hear you on that. Um, And I'm the same way. I do not like writing and my writing process is like all of the stages of grief and I'll like write like a chapter title. Like I need cake and I'm taking the rest of the day off. (laughs) Like have you read um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Yes, I have. There's the part where she's talking about how her students are like, I just love writing, but <laughs> writing doesn't love me. I wrote in the margin. I'm pretty sure writing loves me more than I love writing. Yeah. <laughs> because like, I, like I'm the same thing. I'm good at it. I, my story that I'm working on is kick-ass, but I don't like it. It's such a drag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually... What the fuck was I...
0: I was watching this documentary with Fran Lebowitz on Netflix and she's a writer, uh, recommended. She's amazing. She's very funny and spunky and witty. And she talks about all oh, the writer friends she has. They hate writing, but they're good at it. Yeah. She has one friend. She, she knows one person who loves it. They're not good at it. So mm-hmm. it kind of just shows you like some people just don't like their work, but they're good at it and they do it. And, uh, or they don't love it. I mean, liking is different, but, um,
1: Yeah, you get it. You get it. I do. I really do. And yeah, yeah, totally. Like I, my characters, like they take me on the journey, but at the same time, I'm like, (laughs) so my main character is a runaway. And I'm like, I, for the past like weeks, I've been like, I need to run away. I need to just like board a train and run away. (laughs) Like, like what's that, um, acting style where you like become like, that's what's happening when I'm writing.
0: (laughs) oh I feel it method writing you get into it yeah I've been listening to a lot of love songs lately so maybe that's what I'm feeling too Mm -hmm. yeah
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my goodness the ways art makes us feel um are there any forms of art that you are interested in or have pursued in the past that you're not pursuing now just because you do so much
0: yeah, I you know I had to sit down with myself this year and say what do I want to pursue professionally because I would look at my goals and it would be I am a professional writer, actress, singer, songwriter, musician, artist, um, <laughs>
1: I don't know,
0: director, filmmaker, like YouTuber, like you know, horticulturist. Like there was too many things, too many things, and I really needed to everyone in my family was like, you need to focus on one thing. And I would get so pissed. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, stop, I can do everything. But then like I had, I had to learn it myself and be like, I do need one thing that I know I want to be a professional in. And then the rest will just happen naturally, or maybe even link up with the one I want to do. So for me, it was very natural. It was comedian. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not even like, it became a conscious decision. I think subconsciously, I knew I wanted to to do comedy. I've always been funny and it's been like a, a, a sixth sense for me, but I think I really had to embrace that and be like, commit to it. You know, I, I can't commit to a relationship, but I can commit to this idea of this is, this is a potential path where I have a purpose and I can wake up and say, oh no, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. That guy may not like me. This may not work out. Um, this mic, I have I bombed it, but I have a goal. I want to be a professional comedian, so it gives me motivation. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things that I have to sacrifice and arts and and I and things I want to I have to sacrifice in order to meet to meet my uh, expectations for myself and my goals. So yeah, would I like to take a ceramics class? Of sure, sure, but I I can't afford that right now. I have to really. Um hone in on my focus,
1: hmm yeah, I definitely can understand mm-hmm. that,
0: yeah,
1: um, so how did you get into comedy, switching into that vibe? yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: I've always been doing comedy, I think a lot of comedians will say the same thing um they've always been funny or they've always been a class clown i've always I was always a class clown. I was like, well, I'm not going to get these people with my looks, so I need to be funny and now I'm like, I kind of glowed up a little bit. So I'm like, oh, I can kind of get people with my looks, but I don't believe that. I still need to be funny. I need to show all of my amazing
1: sides. Um, Wait, okay. How were you a class clown? <laughs> I'm very interested in this, like eight-year-old Emma being a class clown. Yeah. Well, first rule
0: is you have to talk a lot. You can't okay. shut up. That's the rule. You need to talk a lot and get in trouble for talking, which I did. Um, <laughs> You need to wear a red nose and a clown outfit every single day. Even if you're sweaty, you cannot change. You, you still have that
1: in your closet.
0: Yes. Yeah, (laughs) I do. I do. Uh, My mom was like, Emma, let's get you some real pants. I was like, this is my profession, mom. Um, I do want to go to clown school though. That's a, it's a nice clown school, but anyways, yeah, I've just, I've always done comedy and then my mom is hilarious. She also does comedy. Um, so that kind of got passed down to me, and then, when I was in high school, um, like I said i I saw that comedy show, the comedy sports show, and I was like, "Oh, I want to do this and so I got on the team, thank God, and then I started doing that, and then in college, um, I tried to do comedy where I could, and then I had this like I kind of failed my classes in college, so I had to take a semester off, and I did stand up in that semester, and I got into that and just been doing it ever since. And then, like, also seeing some women um, watching their TV shows, like Girls and Insecure and um, Broad City with my friends growing up, like, that was super inspiring to see a woman be funny and have her own show. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I think watching TV really impacted me and my, my humor a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I actually wanted to be a TV writer originally, um, and I still do. And that is one of my goals. But um, Comedian just seemed like a very natural progression for me as a writer and as a performer. It was a good combination of both.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you do stand up? Do you do other mm-hmm. types of comedy? Yeah, I uh, I do actually.
0: I love comedy theater. Like I love doing comedy, live shows. I love acting comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, I make sketch comedy. I was on a sketch comedy team in college. um, And it was called Cal TV comedy. And you can still look up our videos (laughs) on YouTube. And um, I made, I remember there was one time in high school, there was a film festival called some shit film festival. (laughs) Lovely name. (laughs) Yeah. Lovely. The reward was toilet paper. Huh. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> We did not win toilet paper. Um, That would have been really valuable now. But um, back then it was just toilet paper that you wiped your ass with. And I didn't care. I loved it. It was so fun. I made a shitty video with my friend. It was the worst video ever. That's also on YouTube. It's called The Art of Seduction. If you want to uh, cringe, it's really good. And yeah, so I just, I've been doing, I love comedy, like films and TV. So I do that also. I do stand up. I do improv when I can and, um, and sketch. And I also make cartoons so that there's humor in them. And I also, um, write comedic essays, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I can write drama too, but I mostly write comedy.
1: How do you, um, like what's your process for creating comedy? Do you like Draw from your own life or or like the world around you, or does it just come to you like through a higher power?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Um, definitely all of it. I, I feel like I'm channeling when I'm creating completely. It's not, I don't think it, I can try like when I'm not creating, I'm thinking really hard, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think you probably experienced that too. You're like thinking about it a lot. But you're not doing anything. It's like, you're just thinking lot. Um, it makes you constipated. And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't really have a process. I just sort of sit down, don't leave my chair, and go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really am inspired by everything I consume.
1: Yeah. Um, by my life. Is it hard to pursue com- comedy when everything it feels like we have to just be so um, like sensitive to every, like overly sensitive, you know? Like I feel like I'm just because my life is so dark, like comedy and humor is my like number one go-to coping skill. But at the same time, it's like, how do we find that balance of, of you know, being humorous and um, finding levity in situations while also not being offensive, you know? Mm. You can't do both, yeah.
0: I mean, you can try. there's people that do it, but if you want to be honest, it's not pretty, it's not pretty, and it, that's what makes it funny, yeah, and that's what makes people laugh because it's inappropriate to really like feel that and and that's why they laugh. It's like this reaction of like, "Oh God, she just said that. He just said that out loud. Um, we were all thinking it um. Now, sometimes people are at the butt of jokes and it depends which culture, but like in our culture, we're very interested in race and politics around race and identity and gender identity and economics. Like, so, I mean, everyone's into economics, but sometimes it's difficult because people may be insulting a certain race. So sometimes you can steer clear of those things completely, but I think I had to go through this situation like a a couple weeks ago and I had to really ask myself like beyond the politics, beyond the, um, you know, politically incorrectness, like I, as a human being need to tell the truth and I need to speak my truth and that is going to offend people.
1: Yeah.
0: And if I never offended someone, I'd be a bar of soap. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. That's that'd be my personality. So I I offend people, I hurt people's feelings sometimes. Um, but at the same time, I'm very anxious and insecure about it. Like I don't like when I hurt people's feelings. Yeah. Um, I really don't wanna sound like um I'm racist or like I hate black people. I love everyone. Like I I'm not racist, but I also am not educated enough in race and culture and all that stuff. So I don't feel like I can talk about it a lot because if someone were to confront me, I'd be like, I, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Like I, this, it's a hard question. I think a lot of people now are getting like fired from stuff because of certain things. I think certain things, yeah, fi- fire them. But other things, like if something they said, like move on, forgive them. Like let's keep going. Um, you don't have to listen to them. They don't have to be a part of your universe. Um, they're not making the rules. So you got it. You can't censor yourself when you're doing comedy. You can't think about it because then it becomes bland.
1: Right. Yeah. No, it's it's what we, like, if it's what you just said, if, if like you don't vibe with something like unfollow the person, like don't listen to them, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's a difference between like, very overtly offensive material that like just should not be said at all and then speaking our truth mm. so yeah it's it's um it's a process mm. but I think it, it does go back to like we can't please everybody not everyone's gonna like everything we do and in a way that's kind of cool to have so many outlets um mm. like if someone doesn't vibe with the book they may vibe with my music or, you know, I'm also a poet. So they may vibe with that. Um, Mm. but yeah, it's definitely like, I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm always like, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think I'm going to have to get over that because there are probably going to be people that I offend and Mm. just like, don't agree or don't appreciate my creativity.
0: Mm. And I think when you're very comfortable with yourself, you're not worried about offending people
1: because you know who you are. Hmm. Yeah, yeah definitely all right let's talk about arting sober yeah also a sober artist I've been sober for two years now um oh. substance abuse was weird it was it was weird and that's also not something to get into right now um but yeah okay so what uh what made you decide to get sober
0: oh my god um I want to know why you're sober too, but I, cause it's very rare. It's like finding a unicorn. It's like you exist. You don't drink and smoke to, to clog your pores. Um, I, I became sober because I mean, many reasons. I was in a relationship with someone who smoked a lot of weed. Um, my best friend at the time smoked a lot of weed. That was fun for a few years. And then I got to college and it became a problem. I was smoking all the time because I just, I don't know if it was because I felt like there was a few reasons, but you know, a lot of the literature and movies and I would things and friends, they were all smoking and drinking and it was very glamorous to me and like cool and bohemian. And I thought that's what an artist was too. Mm-hmm. Like God, if you're an artist, you have to be mysterious and kill yourself slowly to to do it and die young. And I was like, I had to make a decision. When I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so, um, yeah, I, I stopped smoking weed. Um, I came home. I mean, it, I think, oh, I moved to Chicago after it was funny. Cause I lived in a sober house in Berkeley and I was never sober. But then after when I moved to Chicago, I was still like smoking a little bit and drinking a lot and just, you know, doing what a young person does when they're experimenting. And It became like, I was looking at myself doing this stuff out of my body. And I was like, what am I doing? This is so lame. Like, this is like a prop. This is just a prop. And I don't need this prop anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm okay without the prop. I'm still me. I'm still entertaining. Um, And you know, and also I was doing morning pages and it kept coming up. So yeah, I, I stopped uh, last year in January, and I was like, "I'm going to be sober now. I'm not going to do this anymore." But um, so I was smoking all the time, smoking weed like three times a day, wow. and then yeah, and then um, when I moved back home, when the pandemic hit, I um, I had I had been sober, but then I kind of like slipped back into it a little bit, like here and there, not yeah. as much as I had before. Um, And yeah, so I did it a little bit up until like September, October. And then after that, I was like, I can't. Every time I would do it, I would just feel hungover and gross and like, this isn't helping me anymore. So um, I like recommitted at the end of last year. And yeah, it feels great. I feel like so much more creatively productive than i've ever been in my life um it's amazing i can't i can't even have drunk sex anymore it's great like i have to actually like the person now that's good like, that's <laughs> yeah i have to actually care and now that i care i'm like i actually don't want to do this with you <laughs> um so yeah it just took a lot of courage to just be like i don't need this I don't need it anymore and I'm not going to do it i'm going to I'm going to exercise. I'm going to focus on my health. I'm going to create, I'm going to be with friends and family. Like I don't want to have to rely on a substance to make me feel like it's okay
1: to function in society. Yeah. That's huge. Congratulations. Like that's really, that's really huge for me. Like my, my substance. So I wasn't really a drinker. I, I, I drank beer (laughs) before I was 21. Like just kind of like at, um, some like college stuff and then just like randomly but i wasn't like a heavy drinker um i i stopped drinking because i just didn't like the taste and it's expensive <laughs> and i was kind of like this just isn't my vibe i don't enjoy it like it it just makes me feel not good um mm. and <laughs> the other things that i would do were more like just like yet another thing, another unhealthy coping skill to deal with all of my unresolved trauma and, and deal with, you know, limiting beliefs and all of these things that, um, are really hard to deal with. Um, Mm. it just was so destructive and, and not, not healthy. Um, so I, I feel like I kind of the same thing. I just made the decision, like, like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And it's so hard. Um, and it's really like, you mentioned exercise. Was that kind of like um, a replacement, like a, a more healthy, like coping skill? Yeah. yeah. Like I I can vibe with that. Cause I, I've had to find like things to replace. Cause if you don't do that, then it's like, oh, well, I'll just do the thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. So exercise helped you too? Yeah, oh. exercise, um, meditating has helped me. Um, I'm learning Reiki right now. Yeah, it's like distance healing and all that, right? Yeah, and energy. Energy, energy healing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've had Reiki before on, done on me, and it was incredible. She said she saw an angel when she was like doing it on me. Wow. Um, And I just felt like I was transcending when, when she was doing it. It was incredible. I felt so... Mm, like warm yeah that's
1: that's amazing that's so cool
0: yeah so you're gonna touch a lot of people's lives
1: thanks yeah did you find I mean I know it's because like the pandemic we're not at all social in any realm of the universe but have you found that like it's easier or harder to be social and sober because like I basically have no social life and I sometimes blame that on being sober because I feel like so many people in their twenties want to go out and drink, want to go out and party, and go to clubs. And I'm just like, that's not like I want to stay in and like watch Modern Family.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you you have the right idea. I think uh, it's hard because I love being social. I'm also an introvert, but I also love parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is hard, especially when you're vulnerable. And it's still you haven't resolved those uh, feelings yet uh, with with substances. It's very dangerous and tricky territory to be around people who are drinking uh, and smoking because it's very easy to slip back into that behavior. Um, so yeah, it's just I've had to not hang out with people who smoke and drink. I, but also it's good because I am. Um, focusing on stuff I need to focus on and upgrading. So is it hard? Yeah. Some people can handle their liquor and and not smoke a lot and be totally fine. And I, I can't do that because it always messes with me. And it's really something hard. It's very difficult. And it's almost like now become like subconsciously a requirement in my relationships or like even in my romantic relationships. I'm like, I want to meet someone who's sober. Yeah. Because then they'll get it. Mm -hmm. We won't have to like deal with this. Um, but yeah, I think once I like become super strong and, and keep like, um, honing my recovery and focusing on it, I think it will be less of an issue when I'm with people who, who partake, but right now I feel vulnerable still. So I am very wary of parties and and stuff like that. I've stopped going to a lot of them.
1: Yeah. That's really wise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did your art or your artistic process change from Mm -hmm. post getting sober? Mm -hmm.
0: Completely. I mean, my output was just insane. Like, it's just been insane. People are like, how are you doing this? Like, where do you have time? I always look at you like on Instagram, just posting. Like, I just, I, I can't be by myself and bored and not doing anything Mm -hmm. because when I'm doing that, I'm meditating. And when I'm not doing that, my mind just restless Um, and I won't let myself just like do nothing. Um, sometimes I, maybe that's something I need to work on, but I, my out, my creative output's just better now. It's just, I'm doing fun activities and playing more and it feels really good. So yeah, my output increased and I've definitely living a more creative, healthy lifestyle since I've, um, since I've gotten sober. It's just been one of those things when you're on the healing journey, it, it sort of comes
1: naturally. Um, Yeah. Yeah yeah I hear that um okay so I also want to be mindful of time so mm, yeah just um I would love to know a little bit more about how spiritual your art is and like how that's kind of like like how spiritual mm. spirituality and art is is linked because I'm, I'm the same way
0: yes I love it um I love this question because I love spirituality. It's the bedrock of everything for me. And um, I grew up in a religious home and now I would consider myself spiritual and the artist way helps a lot with that and helps a lot with like accepting God as an idea and as the universe as an idea and, and integrating that into your life and kind of having faith and and knowing that it's going to all work out and energy, you know, all that stuff, healing and how necessary it is to make yourself the number one person in your recovery and no one else. And, that's really hard because I used to think that's like selfish of me, but I think focusing on myself and really giving myself that nurturing and that love has been super helpful. Um, my spiritual practice consists of meditation of, um, movements, movement medicine. Um, that could be anything from dancing to jogging to hiking, being in nature, nature. I pulled a tarot card today. Snaps. I pulled a tarot card today. um, and it said like, um, something like healing or happiness through nature and spirituality. Oh my god! And, yeah, and it also said generosity, and I think that really resonates because all those things. And generosity for me means generosity of spirit, generosity of creativity, sharing my like, gifts with people. That's if I if it gives me so much joy. It's going to touch someone else too, mm-hmm. um, if they're on that same vibration as me or like seeking what I'm seeking, and. I think, yeah, spirituality is a big deal in my life. I love Native American philosophy. I love Eastern philosophy. I also love um, Western storytelling, the Western storytelling we have in the Bible and the stories that have been passed down for generations in our families. Like All of these are spiritual stories yeah. um, and, and spiritual gifts. And so I, I, I basically take whatever is it feels like medicine to me. And spirituality is really cool because it encompasses so many things including, um, play and things that we love. And, um, it's not really definable. Like that's what I love about it too. You can't really define that. Like it's always changing and, 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 and metamorphosizing in front of you and evolving. So when you're looking at it from one angle, that's great. And then five minutes later, it's completely different. And for me, spirituality, a lot is being present in this moment and, um, really understanding that we are creating every moment and, the words that we speak and the thoughts that we think and, um, our actions have an impact. And so, um, creating is like the ultimate spirituality essentially because we were here from creations and we we are creations. Um, and we are also creators. So, uh, but I also think it's important to recognize God or whatever source it is for you and to, and to, um, acknowledge that source and thank them and, I'm constantly learning lessons all the time, every single day. So it's very humbling. Um, and yeah, and prayer has been recently incorporated in my life. I used to have a lot of weird stigmas about prayer. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm, I'm more open to writing my prayers and speaking them. And, and um, yeah, I have certain, certain touchstones like crystals and my tarot cards and my time in nature that really grounds me because I can get really up here in my thoughts. So mm-hmm. um, I like to, to stay centered. Yeah. In that. Yeah. That was yeah. a long
1: answer, but <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, all right. So we're going to move on to our final five speed round all right. Off the top of your head. One, what is your favorite style of comedy to perform? Um uh,
0: my favorite style of comedy to perform is sketch comedy. Cool. Who are your top 2 comedic influences? Top two oh god. I mean, controversial, but Lena Dunham um is really funny. And then also um uh, God, there's so many top 2 uh, uh Isa Ray, um and then Charlie Chaplin's really funny too. I saw one of his he's amazing. Um There's so many, but yes, those
1: are a few. Nice. Um, What's one piece of advice you have for other multi-hyphenate artists? Um, Just do the work, focus on the work, keep creating. What's one thing you do when you're feeling creative blocks? Go for a walk. And what is one piece of advice for an artist who wants to get sober, but is maybe feeling a lot of fear with the unknown of that? Mm.
0: if you mess up it's okay you guys not like you go to jail like you can start again just get the next day just start again and um uh writing writing is very helpful journaling and join a community
1: Mm -hmm. nice thank you so much for being here emma i loved loved chatting with you you're so awesome so amazing! Thank Fam, you. check out all of Emma's creative endeavors. New yep. episodes of I Love You, haha, ha air every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mm-hmm. You can find her on Instagram at the Emma Estrada for comedy and info on performances <laughs> in LA, mm-hmm. and at Emma Estrada Art for art, cartoons, and daily drawings. And new comedy videos air every Friday on her YouTube channel. All of this information, plus a link to Emma's YouTube channel is in the description of the episode, or just search her name, Emma Estrada.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Zenya, for having me. This was so much fun. You're an amazing interviewer and person to talk to, and I hope when COVID's
1: over, we can meet in person and have quality time. Yes. We're definitely going to do that, because I'm moving to LA in June at the latest, so.
0: Okay. Yeah. Do you have like a place to, I mean, you don't know about details yet. No. Okay. Right now. I just know that I'm going to LA. I love it. Oh my God.
1: Congratulations on the move. I'm so excited to see you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Zenya. See you next time.